So as a coach, if you've never had those conversations before, just be there to listen and, and don't try to fix the problem, right? Don't try to pry, but just be a safe place that they can go and, and just be, listen to them, you know? We talked about earlier, like directing them to the right people right. to talk to, to kind of get them some help. I think sometimes we rush to conclusions or we try to solve their problems when we mm -hmm. don't really, none of us have lived as collegiate athletes through COVID, but I can listen to them and I can let them know that I'm gonna help them in any way we can. Hey there, you're listening to Virago Pod, a podcast that is dedicated to empowering and improving the physical and mental health of female athletes everywhere. This podcast is brought to you by The Virago Project, a nonprofit organization that helps female athletes balance sports with life. I'm your host, Emily McGee-Zeslowski. And I'm your co-host, Taylor Tracy. Let's jump right into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Virago Pod. This is Taylor here from the Virago Project. Um, a couple of housekeeping updates for everyone before we hop into today's episode with Coach Chris Kristen. Number one, we just dropped a new line of merch, our Game Changers collection line, which is filled with a ton of t-shirts with empowering messages. So if you're looking for a last-minute gift for a teammate or a friend or another woman athlete, um, you should definitely go check out our merch line. You can visit our Instagram um, and click the link in our bio to find our merch. You can literally shop our merch directly on Instagram now because we finally figured out how to do that. <laughs> or you can visit shoptheviragoproject.com. Um, second update is we are so close to reaching our $5,000 fundraising goal for 2020. There are two weeks left in 2020. We're so, so close. Um, all of the money goes back towards covering our startup expenses. Um, obviously, as a nonprofit, you have filing fees, you have website hosting fees, you have so many different fees. Um, so we just want to make sure that we have all of those costs covered going into 2021 so we can keep serving um, our, this community of wonderful, strong women. So feel free to visit our website, viragoproject.org and click that donation button. Um, and really anything you give uh, would just mean the world and help us continue doing what we're doing. Okay, Emily, ready? Yes. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who gave Giving Tuesday and those of you who have supported by buying our merch already this past week after our launch. Okay, so on today's podcast, we have Kristen Kelsey. She is a current coach at Northwestern and their recruiting coordinator and also a former athlete and one of my former teammates. Uh, she played at Michigan State and was an absolute stud. Uh, I'm really excited. We're going to ask her some questions from the previous podcast from a coach's lens and get that different perspective. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring her on. All right. Today we have Kristen Kelsey. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kristen. I'm really excited to be here. I've, I've listened to a lot of your guys' podcasts, so thanks for having me. I'm like going through all of our setters. I realized we did Amanda last time. We got you. And then Brie is now a, a DPT. So I'm oh, like, all right, we got to no get way. you on. Yeah. So who checks going to be on one of these next ones too? Um, That's so cool. Blast from the past. Yeah. Kristen, oh, how long have you been with uh, Northwestern? So I, this is my second year, like January will be a full two years. Um, 
I played at Michigan State, and then I was super um, fortunate. Kathy gave me a Kathy George, the head coach at Michigan State. She hired me the year I graduated, basically. So I was 22. Hired me as her assistant. Um, oh, I was God. there for four years, and then left there in January of 2019 to come to Northwestern. So, wait a second. So <laughs> you might have coached Michigan State when I. Pl- played them i think we did when we came to north carolina right yeah there were two years i think in a row i remember one time maybe playing against you guys like in michigan yeah Um, and by you guys i think it was like an acc big 10 switch or something so it was like michigan and michigan state yep yep Um, and then we flipped maybe the the following year (laughs) yeah so that was like i joke it's like my gap year so I graduated in May and then for like six months, I actually was the GA at our student athlete academic center. Um, and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I just was like, I'm gonna go to grad school. I'm a GA. I get to stay at Michigan state. I loved it. Like, and so that was like the one fall. I remember watching that match in the stands. Um, and then that October, Kathy hired me in January. I started and then that next fall, we flew out to North Carolina and Duke and played you guys okay. there. So, yeah, I totally remember that. And I was like, I think she was playing. I think I coached again. I, w- I would have been like, that was like maybe my first coaching weekend of my career, to be honest. Because um, oh it was a preseason God. weekend, right? So Of course it was. Yeah, it had to have been. That's yeah. so funny. Small, small world. Such a small world, man. The volleyball world is very small. It totally is. I, I act surprised every time this happens, but, you know. At the same time, it's just like, oh my gosh, come on. This world is so (laughs) Six degrees of separation or whatever. So So on today's podcast, um, I just wanted to touch on a ton of topics because we've had athletes on mostly sharing their experiences. And so I thought it'd be really interesting to get a coach's lens um, just to get a different kind of a view of these different topics and stuff. So I'm really excited to, to see what you have to say and, and see how the views differ and I guess are similar. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. I've listened to all your podcasts. I'm so excited about this project and what you guys believe in um, and how you're just making it more attainable and, and for people to, to listen. And so I'm pumped to be on here and hopefully share some of my experiences and how they can help others. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah, no, I'm really excited also. And and I guess before we officially get started, um, I guess I'm curious on how COVID's impacting you and, and your coaches at Northwestern. I know fall sports season's obviously been impacted a little everywhere, but I think a lot of people don't think about all the intangibles, uh, like recruiting, summer camps, team bonding. So what does this look like for you guys at Northwestern? Man, it has been, um, it's been a real lesson in patience and a real lesson in flexibility. Coming from a type A, likes to be in control person, it's been a real challenge. Um, With that being said, though, I'm so grateful for my job, for where I'm at. Um, You know, obviously, having been a former player, and I've only ever been in this role in this world, um, it's a little bit different not having fall volleyball. I think fifth grade was the last time I had a free weekend in the fall, you know, Um, um, but it was really hard, right? Not competing. It was hard for our seniors to hear that their, you know, season was, was postponed and we're not sure hundred percent what that's going to look like. Um, We've been in a dead period since March for recruiting and that will continue through next this April, 2021. So I've watched more 
Facebook live matches and film <laughs> than I think I've ever watched before. Um, but it also really expanded our recruiting. And I, I think we might talk about that a little bit later, but it really expanded our recruiting in terms of Zoom and the conversation that used to be phone calls. Now we get to do face to face over Zoom and we get to meet the families. And so it's been interesting to see it kind of all evolve based on the cards we've been dealt, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. I guess that's one good thing that came out of it. Like, you know, now you have this more uh, direct kind of face-to-face -face way to interact with the athletes who aren't on campus. Whereas in the past, maybe you would have just called them and waited until they came up. So that's one positive mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> Actually though, it's like, and it was one thing I thought our staff, um, you know, Northwestern, we're, we're on the rise, right? We're on the rise. We're making way in the Big Ten and we're working our butts off to kind of close that gap. But one thing I think is really special about us is, is the people in our program. It's Shane. And um, so we were really able to highlight that even in COVID, even though they weren't allowed to come on campus and, you know, you're able to do virtual tours and not academics, but they really get to know us and how we run our program. And I think that's a huge benefit for us. And it really helped our recruiting. Uh, to be honest, we didn't really hurt much because of COVID. And I think a big part of it was you got to be real and authentic and you got to create a relationship with these recruits, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm actually thinking too, it's kind of a way to kind of minimize the gap some too in people with less uh, like different financial situations, both universities and players. I know like some of our teammates at sports performance couldn't afford to take visits until their senior year when it was an official visit. Yep. And by that time, it's like, very behind the curve for for some schools recruiting timelines and vice versa these smaller schools may not be able to send a coach out every single weekend to these different tournaments yeah um, so it's a, actually I never even thought of it that way it's a very interesting way to kind of level the playing field in, in recruiting terms for for everyone across the country in, in youth sports so for those listeners who haven't gone through the recruiting process uh, can you sh actually share with us some of the main things a college coach is looking for or doing that might surprise listeners Oh, that might surprise listeners is a lot of times I talk about the intangible piece, right? Where I'll sit on an athlete's court for like two matches. Okay. And then I'll walk away and I'll be, but I'll still be watching that court from two courts down. And is that kid, the same teammate leader, you know, human they are when a coach is watching them and when they're not right. Or sometimes it's like, Oh, coach, you stayed for the whole set after I got pulled. Why did you watch? Well, I'm watching for your reaction, right? What's your eye contact like? Do you, you know, are you throwing a pity party on the bench? What kind of teammate are you? Like when things don't go your way, when you get put back in and set two, are you giving back to your teammates or, or are you still so caught up in the fact that you got subbed out that you can't function anymore, right? So like, there's a lot of things I think that you know, kids want to send their highlight tapes, which is awesome. We want to see that. Um, but we're getting 100 emails a week, right? What what sets the best players apart? And it's some of those intangibles. It's it's their work ethic, right? It's what their coach says about that. We do a lot of high school coach calling and, and club coach calling. And what is this kid's work ethic like? How are they like with their teammates? What's it like with their parents? Are they respectful? Like all those things that go into this recruiting process because at the end of the day we believe and we talk about you're coming into our family right and it's not transactional for us it's not just like hey if you hit 350 you're a better person than this person it's like no we want you to come into our family and contribute as a as a person um and so it's really important to us that we know your strengths and weaknesses not only on the court but also in your personality as well 
And you bring up an interesting thing, too, that um, is a big advice for high school athletes, because I know you kept saying how many people reached out to you. And it brought up a suppressed memory for me, actually. I visited <laughs> UNC. I was, like, pestering them. UNC was my top choice. And I was pestering them to let them visit, to come watch me, to, like, do all this stuff. I was doing all the outreach. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, we actually haven't started looking. We're still early in your class. Still st stand by. Like, we're not looking at anything yet. Um and then, like, I was leaving their office, and there's a giant recruiting board that has the list of the outside <gasps> hitters they're looking at in my year, in my class. And I'm like, oh, bet. Like, and I kept reaching out, kept doing it. And, like, so if you're sitting back thinking, like, and I, I mean, I played the majority of all four years started. So it's like I was a great addition. But, like, if you are sitting back waiting for college coaches to reach out to you, like, you're going to fall behind. Like, you have to be very aggressive even if it's uncomfortable to get a college coach's attention. Cause like you said, you're getting like what a hundred emails a week, maybe from prospective students. So yeah. it's definitely something people don't realize. Yeah. I always tell people just to be annoying. Like, and I, I mean, Emily, you know this about me. Like I was not, a, a, <laughs> I was like on the 14 fives team, right. Growing up and like, was this chubby little kid. I'm like five, nine on a good day. Like, I was the annoying recruit who just like worked my butt off and emailed and called and like finally got my break, obviously by being on an elite team and playing with Emily. And, but like, it, I just say like hard work pays off in all areas of life, but in recruiting too, it's like, if you call my office every day, I'm more likely going to take your call and talk to you and be honest with you versus I email a coach once every three months, you know? And so I think it's like the worst thing that can happen is that I say, I tell us because I'm, I say no and then you're able to narrow down your search, right? Is because we, you know, either we have it that position filled or it's not what we need, but then it's like knowledge is power because now you're able to cross that school off your list and refocus your direction, right? And so I agree with you. Like, I, I have a similar story. You just gotta be annoying, you know? Like you gotta be annoying, you gotta be persistent and then hard work pays off, it really does. Yeah. All right, so you already touched some on your athletic background um, <laughs> earlier on the call, but do you have anything to add or, and, and how did your athletic background make you decide to become a collegiate coach? Yeah. So I was really fortunate to play at Michigan state to start coaching right away. Um, and honestly, I I'll be honest. I didn't say my whole life I wanted to be a coach. That wasn't necessarily like my number one goal in life. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And now my dad's a coach. My mom is a coach. Um, my dad's also a clinical psychologist. And so there's a really big piece of me that I was actually going to go into um, sports psych or industrial organizational psych for my master's. Um, I love, I love relationships. I love talking about relationships. I love working on relationships. I love helping mentor relationships. And so for me, when I was a captain and a player, um, that's where I was really strong at, right? It was not, I was never a first team all American, right? But I was a three-year captain and helped kind of change the the culture and, and things at Michigan State. And so it was like, that's what I was really passionate about on top of volleyball, right? Using volleyball, it's kind of like the avenue that I loved doing. And, and I remember one day sitting in Kathy's office and just her really like picking my brain about things. I didn't know I was kind of being like interviewed without knowing it and just talking about how much I had missed that, how much I missed the impact, I missed the volleyball world. And she did, she gave me the opportunity of a lifetime and I will forever be grateful. You know, I, I'm so blessed to say that I was that, offered that position. Um, and then I really just never looked back. Like I fell in love with 
it's kind of like what I loved about being a player times 10, right? Because now you're, you're in a leadership role as a captain, but now as a coach, right? I got to just see that even tenfold um, on top of recruiting. So forming relationships with, with future athletes and parents and families. Um, and then the volleyball part, which I loved. And I know like we did my entire life, right? I get to work with our setters and work with our offense. And there's so many parts about being a coach that go into that. But for me, I just love the relationship piece. And so it's really been um, like, I don't even feel like I have to go to work, right? I get to, it's just, I'm really thankful for what I do. Yeah. It sounds like you, maybe this was in the cards for you all along. Um, Just given your, your background, being a coach or sorry, a captain as a sophomore, I feel like that's, that's pretty rare um, as an underclassman to be named a captain, um, at least in the volleyball world. And also you're in the big 10, right? Which you're Mm -hmm. right. That is a very, very competitive league. Um, And usually that those titles go to upperclassmen. So that's really cool that you were able to make such an impact, not only on your teammates, but also it seems like you, you made a really big impact on that coach who eventually ended up hiring you as well. So that's really neat. Things. I, I do believe things happen for a reason. And again, like if you work, if you work really hard and put everything you've got into it, then, um, you know, good things happen. And I'm just very thankful. I'm very thankful to do what I do. So, yeah. And even, even though you mentioned you, you know, were studying kind of a different route, studying psychology. And I know you, I know you said earlier that you study nutrition, some in college also. Uh, we've had some previous podcasts where we've discussed discomforts around eating and body image. So mm-hmm. how has your experience as an athlete and what you've studied impacted how you coach and the conversations you have with your athletes? It's a really great, great, great question and really important. Um, I think for all female athletes, I think the collegiate years are some of the most um times where we're really learning, we're independent, right? We're on our own. We're introduced to maybe alcohol for the first time on top of training table or, you know, dorm food. And it's, it's, it's really tough. There's a lot of stresses coming at you and a lot of new experiences. And I think, um, what, what, what I try to talk about is just really having no stigma around it. And that's really kind of a mental health as a whole is obviously I'm lucky. My dad, grew up, he was a clinical psychologist. My mom actually taught psychology. So like, I've been, I always joke that like, I'm either like a little bit off or just like really, really in tune with this stuff. Right. Because I've been around it my whole life. And so I think for us, like, I'm definitely, let's talk about it. If you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. There's no stigma. Everyone, I think at a different time in their life struggles with either mental health, or I think for women and women athletes, some sort of body image, dysmorphia or calorie counting or um, over-exercising, you know, we all have, I think, probably flirted with it at some time in our life. And we talk about kind of, you know, I talk about with my athletes sometimes is there's a seed that's planted, right? By the media, by these expectations. And depending on how that seed gets watered um, by us or by our environment is maybe how much we struggle with it, you know? Um, and that could be different for everybody. And, and, I'm really big on encouraging as well. Um, our whole program and, and Shane's really great at this too, of like, we're really big on encouraging you to go use our CAPS program at Northwestern, which is our, our psychologist, our sports psychologist and, and have professional help with this because mm-hmm. I think with the rise of social media, you're seeing it a lot more. I think in a, in a good way, it's being talked about like right now, right? It's being talked about, it's being destigmatized more, but it's also you're being bombarded with 
um, unrealistic standards as well. And so we really encourage our athletes to not only talk to each other and us, but like seek professional counseling and help with kind of whatever their needs are as well. Um, because it's real, it's very real. And it's, it's something that happens, I think, a lot in those collegiate years as you're on your own for the first time. Yeah, I so I personally struggled with depression throughout most of my youth and especially in college. And I often felt like I'm sure there was a great system at UNC that had something similar, but I just frankly didn't know about it um, mm -hmm. and didn't have those conversations with my coaches because I viewed it personally as a sign of weakness. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that you're saying you're having those open conversations. Um, so is there any ideas that you have um, that you can share with other coaches or even players that they can take to their coaches of like, if they're a captain listening, like, hey, this might be a good thing to implement that what's worked for you and how you guys can start having these conversations that you're saying you're having. Yeah, I think um, I was really lucky that our head coach, Kathy, she was always um, vulnerable and real. And I think as a coach, that's something I really respected and I try to do as well is, is sharing my vulnerabilities and the ways that I've struggled with mental health and anxiety with different things. And because it allows the student or the athlete, the recruit, whatever, to understand like, okay, this isn't just me. Um, but then just not being afraid, even if you're not comfortable talking about it, right? Not being afraid to say, hey, maybe I can't help you, but here's some resources and just doing your education to know where to guide them in those resources, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think one thing that we've done this fall, which I'm really proud of is once a week, we've had our team meet with our sports psych over Zoom during our practice time, right? So not only are we saying, hey, this is important to us, but we're willing to take practice time to meet as a group to go over these things, whether with the coaches, without the coaches, because we want to make sure they know we value this and that it's, it's just as important as passing another 50 balls. That makes sense. And so, um, especially with COVID, especially with things going on in the world is this is, this is real and this is affecting not only our athletes, but our families. And, and so I guess my advice would just be one, don't be afraid to be vulnerable Two, even if it becomes uncomfortable, maybe have some resources or do some homework and where to help guide those people. So if you're a captain and you, there's someone on your team who's struggling, go to your athletic trainer. Hey, how can we help Susie, right? She seems to be really struggling. How can we get her the right resources so she can talk to somebody, you know, um, and kind of maybe like just kind of being each other's sister's keepers a little bit. Yeah. Kristen, I have a question. So I know that a lot of coaches and Emily kind of alluded to this, or excuse me, a lot of athletes feel nervous about speaking up um, about their mental health uh, challenges you know, to their coaches, for example, like mm -hmm. an athlete is just so stressed out um, or depressed um, or going through something serious um, that maybe others can't see, um, going to their coach and just talking to them about it can sometimes feel really, really scary, especially if that athlete is a starter or a captain, um, because, you know, they fear that they might, you know, not be able to play um, mm -hmm. or they're is my bench them. Um, so what would you say to the athlete who is afraid to disclose what's going on because they're afraid of losing playing time? And then secondly, what would you say to a coach who maybe hasn't, you know, had an athlete come forward and maybe, you know, wouldn't know how to navigate 
that kind of situation? Those are great questions, Taylor. Um, I think I'll start just from a coach um, and I'm not perfect at this. I've learned this. I'm still learning this. Honestly, you're as a coach, we always joke, like still things come up that you're, you're not prepared for, right. Or you don't. And I always um, kind of just go back to just be a listening ear, right? Sometimes our athletes just need somebody to talk to. They just need a, a safe sounding board. And so as a coach, if you've never had those conversations before, um, just be there to listen and, and don't maybe necessarily like try to fix the problem, right? Don't try to pry, but just be a safe place that they can go and, and just be, listen to them, you know? And then like we talked about earlier, like directing them to the right people right. to talk to, to kind of get them some help. I think sometimes we rush to conclusions or we try to solve their problems when we mm -hmm. don't really, none of us have lived as collegiate athletes through COVID. I, I have no idea the amount of differences and in, in, in anxieties and things that they're struggling with because I, I haven't done this with them, but I can listen to them and I can let them know that I'm going to help them in any way we can. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Whatever that looks like. And so just kind of be in that safe space. I think also you mentioned this is really making it clear, not going to hold it against them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times athletes are worried. They don't want their coaches to know anything that could be held against them. And so how can we be really good as coaches and to remember that, you know, these are humans first and volleyball players second, and we're going to help them. And then we're going to train them to be great volleyball players. But I don't ever want an athlete of mine to fear that if she tells me something that I'm going to hold it against her on the court. Um, yeah. And then I think for the, the athletes, I think, you know, one way that we kind of talk about it with our leaders on our team, whether they're captains or just, Athletes who have a lot of influence, right? You can be a leader without having a C on your chest um, is kind of, if, if you're not, if you don't want to go to your coach right away, you don't feel comfortable. I totally understand that. I think a lot of times the older you get in your career, the more comfortable you're with your coach. But if you're a first or second year, it might be a little daunting, right? Um, find a leader or an upperclassman that you trust, right? Hey, where do I have, where can I get some help with this? Where can I get the resource? And then that leader hopefully has those answers of whether that's going to their athletic trainer offering mm -hmm. to go with you, right? Hey, here's my experience. Here's who I talk to. Um, I think nowadays it's, it's a lot more, Emily, I would agree with you. When I was a player, a freshman, I had no idea all of the services that were available to me that I knew by my senior year. Well, my hope is that with um, the rise of social media and all those things that we have a better idea of what our universities offer in our athletic departments. Um, and then I think sometimes as a leader, it's your job to understand what, what can I actually help with and what needs to go up the ladder. So we talk about that with our leaders, like, Hey, you're going to have a time that a teammate comes to you and you're going to be able to take care of it in-house coaches, whatever, we don't need to know you take care of it, just take care of it. Right. And then there's going to be times that you got to call Shane or you got to call me, right? Because now this is bigger than you and we need, we need actual help. We need real help. And so I would just encourage you as a player to find someone on your team you trust. Um, mm. And hopefully that's one of your captains or one of your leaders who should hopefully be equipped to know a resource or to walk with you in this uncomfortableness to go talk to your trainer um, or to go talk to a coach, right? I, I had to do that as an athlete. I, I brought my co-captain with me. I was so nervous to go talk to Kathy and I said, will you come with me? And she said, absolutely. We sat there and we talked about it, but it was just encouraging to have my teammate next to me with me, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's 
that would be my advice. Thank you. Yeah, and I think actually what you're saying too brings up a lot of exciting initiatives that we've been working at with Virago Project. Um, Taylor's been working really hard on like a mentorship program and mm. these various team talks. Taylor, do you want to tell Kristen a little about those two um, and just see if she has any feedback or if, if how she thinks if this would be fitting uh, kind of nationwide? Yeah, well, so the mentorship program that we're doing um, with UNC, it's kind of a a pilot program right now we hope to expand soon but the idea is to provide uh the women athletes um with a mentor who is an alum who's already been on that team um so you know if i'm a mentor for example to uh, a current for actually current volleyball players at UNC um and just giving them emotional support and so i do think that you know, the majority of this mentorship program is just about like creating safe spaces for the girls to talk. Um, there's also a huge emphasis on, you know, driving them towards getting professional help, help, like you said, Kristen, um, that's super, super important. And then, you know, just providing an extra layer of support for them because there's a lot that's already in place at these universities, but, you know, sometimes having a third party who's, been there, uh, done that, and, you know, you can relate to and talk to helps as well. Um, so that's what's happening with that mentorship program. I think that's awesome. I think community is so important, especially right now. Um, so I think that's really, really cool to give them a safe place and a community to talk to. And, and, and how cool is it to be for you? You're currently with current UNC players. Like, You've been yeah. in their shoes, right? So when you say something, it has a little bit more, more weight to it because <laughs> you've, you, you've done what they're going. You've been at those 6 a.m. conditioning. You know, you've done those things that um, exactly. I think you just automatically get some, some respect for, you know, not that only do they respect who you are, but that you've been in their shoes. And so I think, I think that's awesome just to offer some guidance. I listened to your guys' freshman do's and don'ts podcast and I was <laughs> laughing because I was like, man, it'd be so great if everyone had that little like community like you are to, hey, these are a couple things to watch out for your first semester, your first year, things I wish I would have known. Like we all have <laughs> those stories, but do we share them? You know, yeah. like I think that I was laughing so hard. I was like, okay, this is awesome. Like and the fact that you're doing that, I think that mentorship program, it's that's that sounds really cool, Taylor. I almost want to implement that for us too. <laughs> well, uh, we'll we'll be in touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. We'll, perfect. We'll, we'll train some mentors for y'all. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. So just based on my history with Kristen, not to roast you too much, oh, but good. you right. you did not really play at all when we were on the same team together. <laughs> you were behind um, Amanda Peterson, who was on our last podcast, um, mm -hmm. is the same position. So you kind of had this unique role of not really playing, but I will say that you were a phenomenal teammate. It never felt like you were complaining. You, you know, put your work in and it obviously worked out with the incredibly successful career you had at Michigan State. So from the player side and now the coach's side, um, we've talked to athletes, inc including Taylor and myself, who are kind of unhappy and unclear with our undefined roles that we found ourselves in and lack of playing time. And I know a lot of times team sports has higher or equal number of players who do not play mm -hmm. uh, than the ones who actually play. So how do you kind of balance that relationship and team dynamic? 
Yeah, that's a good question. You just brought back so many memories of uh, <laughs> of that year we would be practicing. And I would, alert. I would just be flipping score. Like I would just be over like the last hour of practice. I would just be flipping score. Um, <laughs> but I, it was a really good lesson, right? It was such a good lesson of like, you've worked this hard, you got this opportunity and it might not be great right now, but it helped me like for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that sometimes we talk about this so much, like in, in life of like, you know, do you prepare the child for the path or the path for the child? And I think about that with our athletes, our recruits, are we preparing in the recruiting process or in, you know, their first year, like, are we just trying to make everything perfect for them? Are we being upfront of like, Hey, we're going to prepare the child. We're going to prepare you for the path ahead of you. Right. And, in the recruiting process, we don't promise playing time because we say, hey, the best kids are going to play, whether you're a freshman walk-on or a senior full scholarship kid, like the best kids, the best six are going to play, you know, or eight or sub, whatever. But I just think like a lot of times we have athletes that we're recruiting and, and one question Shane likes to ask them is like, walk me through an adversity that you faced because again, a lot of times, right, like we are just making them have no disappointment right no dealing with any of that so it was a really tough year but it, it really um helped me and I think when we talk about athletes at Northwestern or my experience both at Northwestern and MSU was um I think a couple of things come to mind one is that recruiting process right if you're making a lot of empty promises in the recruiting process and if you're a recruit who's hearing a lot of that it's kind of like you don't know what they're saying. They could be saying that same thing to, to four other people, you know? Um, yeah. It, it's weird to kind of think of recruiting process like a relationship, but it it, it kind of is, you know? Like if they're saying that to you, what are they saying to everybody else? Mm -hmm. um, so I think asking the tough questions in the recruiting process, and I think coaches being as transparent as possible about how they run their program, how they decide playing time. Some places it's like, cauldron numbers only and, and the best numbers will play and some places it's hey it's a little bit numbers it's a little intangibles coaches have the final say at the end of the day right there's those questions are really important in the recruiting process um and then I, I think as coaches being as transparent as possible not only in the recruiting process but when they come on campus um that this is something um when i was at michigan state tom Izzo used to do this he used to have a meeting with all of the parents um before kind of the school year started and just said hey listen like your kid's gonna call you he's gonna be upset right there's gonna be all these things that he's not gonna like that i'm gonna say something bad to him or blah 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 like like th this is the reality because a lot of times these kids then call their parents and then it's like oh poor me you know and of course parents job is to to take care of their child but just saying like there's gonna be trials that you face you might not play but we're in this together right and if you work hard and you do these things and transparently this is what you need to improve on this is where your maybe your path will be you know and like you said emily whether it's playing as a freshman or playing as a senior it might look different for everybody and then also understanding that you also have some control over that you know um if you don't start first weekend of fall your freshman year do you decide i'm pissed and i'm just gonna you know, have a bad attitude? Or are you going to kind of prove that you're wrong, that, that they're wrong, right? And prove them wrong. And that's kind of what we ask is that little ch chip on their shoulder, you know? Yeah. Um, and so then I think, and then, and then finally, I think it's like 
on top of all that, um, it's making sure that your athletes know that like their worth is not just them as volleyball players. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I had a meeting with one of our athletes this fall who was struggling in the gym and struggling in school. And we went and just got coffee and I just kind of like reaffirmed like, Hey, I know this is a tough period right now, but we are still so glad that you're here. And this is the value you're bringing us right now. So even though A and B are, are tough right now, don't forget that C and D are, are really valuable to this program and to your teammates, you know, and, and like to see the tears in our eyes, like sometimes they just need to be told, like, we value you more than your hitting percentage right now. And there's going to be days to say, Hey, your hitting percentage sucks. It needs to get better, you know, <laughs> but like, like, this isn't all just like, sometimes there's some tough love, but I think as a coach, you have to know those moments of like, I'm riding this kid constantly. Okay. Now yeah. I need to make sure that she also feels the arm around her sometimes. You know, that's so sweet that you did that. Yeah, you just went to coffee with her and told her, like, look, you're not, we don't just see you as an athlete. You still mean so much to us, you know, off of the court. That's just, that's so, so impactful. And it just makes such a huge difference. I got a little emotional when I heard that. It's just so sweet because it's so easy to allow, you know, your hitting percentage or however you're performing in your sport dictate your mood. Mm -hmm. um, so that's so cool. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. And we talk about like compartmentalization a lot. Like when you leave practice, mm -hmm. can you leave practice? Just like when you walk into practice, can you leave your test or your day or your boyfriend or girlfriend? Or can you leave all those things at the door? But when you leave, right, can you also kind of like not let a bad practice carry over to tomorrow's bad practice? So we do. We talk about that a lot, too. It's a life skill. You'll, you'll have to do that after sports as well. A hundred percent. So it's good practice. Yeah. And I think too, a lot of our talk has been with, you know, the struggling of the retirement of the female athlete and how that transition process is so hard. So I think the earlier you can get it in your athlete's mind that you are more than an athlete, you brought so much to this in these intangible things. Like you are an extremely hard worker and that's awesome. Like you can continue being a hard worker after your career's done. So I think that's really important, kind of shifting the identity solely on, it's not, you're not your hitting percentage is super important and great that you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it, yeah, it, it, those are the moments that like really, you remember like the power you have as a coach and sometimes I forget about that. I'm still a young coach <laughs> in my career and you walk away being like, oh wow, like I forget sometimes the power our words, good and bad to be honest, can have. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's powerful. I, I, you know, we at sports performance had some of the most phenomenal coaches and I've learned so much and like my IQ is thanks to them. However, like I definitely remembered all the critical comments still mm -hmm. today, much more than like, you know, the neutral comments. So it's definitely a, a very powerful position and, you know, it's good that you respect that power too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I also was team captain um, at UNC, like you were at Michigan State, and I personally found a real big struggle to find a balance between my relationships with my teammates and my relationship with the coaches. Um, being that bridge position was definitely like a privilege and a curse, mm -hmm. and I felt sometimes being torn both ways. So how do you navigate the different relationship structures on the team from either captain to um, between the captains or even just even the different ages and classes you you have oh that's such a good question um i remember feeling this way as a captain I, I i feel this way as a coach we talk to our captains about it is is it's a responsibility 
and it's a privilege, right? And it's, it very much can be both and it can be very heavy at times, right? Because it's a privilege to have maybe your coach's ear and respect and what you say has a lot of weight with your coach, which is a huge privilege, right? Um, but it can also be a big responsibility in, in the fact that like you may have more, more criticism on you, right? Because of your role. Um, you may have more time needed to spend talking or film or different things because of your role. And, and that's a responsibility and that's tough. Um, I think same thing with your teammates, right? If you look at a team, um, so we did this, this thing called the program. It's an, it's an awesome company, a little shout out to the program. Um, oh Navy my Seal. God, the program. <sighs> did you guys do the program? Did it twice. Shout out to Jamie. Love you. <laughs> yeah, we did it. I did it twice as a player and now I've done it three times as a coach. Um, and I, I, it's, it's tough. It's mentally tough, but I just love that they give a team a common vocabulary, right? We have the, we're now we're speaking the same language about leadership, about teammateness. We don't care about your pushups. That's not what it's about. It's about how are you great team leaders and great followers and create better cohesive teams, right? That's kind of like their mission statement. So we talk about it with our leaders is our followers don't have nearly as much of that responsibility as you do, right? In terms of, I think a huge thing is mediating problems, right? And mediating um, between players, as well as the responsibility of having your coaches here and kind of all those things, but they also don't have the privilege maybe that you have as a captain of, of those different relationships that you have. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but we just talk a lot about making sure our captains and our leaders feel comfortable. Like I, I have one of our, one of them on our team that I talk with a lot and I always say, Hey, I'm not always going to agree with you, but I'm always going to listen to you. Right. So if there's something you don't agree with or something you're fired up about, like I've had her walk in our offices before Shane and I, and she kind of talks to us. It's like, Hey, we might not agree with you, but we respect your view, right? We respect your viewpoint because of the privilege that you have and the relationships that you have. That doesn't happen with everybody on the team. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. And so I think that there's a weight to that, that I think sometimes as coaches, we have to understand like during COVID, I, I, you know, Shane made it, he was awesome about making sure checking in with our captain, just to make sure she had a lot on our shoulders, making sure the team was working out and staying fit. And like all of these things that she was feeling heavy and Hey, how can we help to take some of that weight off of you? You know, because you are having such a huge role right now. Um, and then there's times that she has to run when nobody else has to run because she's our captain. And that's, that's the responsibility part of it, you know? Jeez. Well, yeah, I, I was trying to think of like what I found successful just to give listeners like just thinking back because obviously I haven't been on the coach's view, but that middleman position. And I'm thinking now I just remember what really worked well for our team is that the um, we shifted it sometime during our playing career that the players actually like we all as the captain leading the discussion pick the team rules. So for things like, you know, people are 21 on the team, but there will be no drinking, you know, 48 hours before a game, 24 hours before a practice. Mm -hmm. um, that that came from the player. The players decided that limit. It was not decided by the coaches that were diminishing it. So it's like, okay, this was you guys who decided this, you guys should follow this. Um, so like players deciding rules was like really helpful once we sh shifted it from coaches telling us what to do, you know, asterisk if you were like that was obviously for the over 21 people but for even like when coaches then tried to get those optional open gyms they came through the captains to be like hey can we work together to figure out something that you guys think would be good for these optional open gyms in the summer yeah. so kind of being like not too much like 
you know, I had a really good relationship with my coaches at UNC. So none of them were ever like, hey, is anyone skipping pre like anyone skipping these workouts? Da, 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 da. Like it was always from a place of respect. Mm -hmm. So I think not trying to micromanage your captains. And it sounds like it's not even an issue for you, but um, you know, just not micromanaging captains and having that respect, mutual respect, I think sounds like it's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about competence and control. So like if you want to give someone kind of the ability to follow and to like trust in you. It's like giving them competence, right? To like reaffirming when they do things well and positive reinforcement and whatever you want to call it, but also some sort of control. So just like you said, it might not be like, hey, it's not like do run condition once a week or four times a week, but it's like within those four times, like what do you, like if you had to choose between lifting twice and conditioning twice or lifting three times conditioning once, which one do you want to do, right? And, and maybe that's a bad example because your strength coach is deciding that, but giving them an element of control within con constructs that are what you want. Um, I think as a leader, we do that with our leaders sometimes. And then our leaders doing that with our team sometimes, like, just like you said, giving them a voice. So, Hey, we're not going to be allowed to drink before a match, but what do you guys think is fair? Right? So like, here's the boundary. No one's showing up hungover, but where's the line? What do, can we agree on this? And can we give the team some control in this? I, I agree with you. I think that's really important. Mm. Okay, Kristen, honestly, we got to everything that I wanted to cover today. You know, we, we touched on a lot of things that were previous podcasts through a coach's lens, which I was kind of hoping to do, which I really appreciate. Uh, just as we sign off, uh, let's just go back to kind of the beginning with how COVID's impacting you guys now uh, and your teams. What message do you have for coaches and athletes going through COVID right now, feeling frustrated, maybe feeling down? Do you have any words of like, uplifting hope inspiration or just you know stick with it for, for our listeners <gasps> I love, just, just get through it no um <laughs> no I wish I, I I'm like sometimes I'm like too practical to have like really like inspirational quotes but I think what what I can share is what's really our I can't give enough shout out to our Northwestern volleyball team this fall in how they handled COVID and how they handled all of the changes and disappointments and Exciting, you know, there's so much emotion and so much the unknown. Um, and I think a couple of things that we really like, if I had to pick like three things that we focused on, the first one was control the controllables. And I'm sure if you asked them, they got really tired of hearing me say that, but it was just control the controllables, right? Whether that's control when you're in, in class versus when you're in practice, whether that if you're somewhere and someone's not respecting your choice in taking care of yourself or wearing your mask, you can control what you can control, right? And that's being safe and healthy, making good decisions, right? Like try not to spin your wheels. And this is talking to myself in what we can't control, which is like this virus and all the uncertainty at a very macro level. We can control our day to day, right? And I think that was something that we would joke about it. Like, oh gosh, like you hear, you know, this is getting canceled. All right, everyone, we're going to control the controls. Let's be present. Let's have a great day. You know, like and so that really kind of helped us kind of go back to one thing. Um, mm -hmm. I think the second point was that we really preached was just take care of each other, right? And, and build those relationships and lean on each other, right? They were in this kind of bubble. Even as coaches, we just, we had each other. And it was a time to foster our relationships, to get to know each other. It was a time to work through some conflict um, and just kind of take care of each other. We learned a lot about each other both in quarantine and then this fall um, 
and, and how we can maybe deal with some tough situations. Right. And so, um, I think be grateful for the people you have, um, and kind of really, really focus on those people and being there and, and showing up for them, you know, and walking with them through the tough things. And then I think third, just kind of a pillar of our program is just like work your ass off. Right. And, and nothing can get like, that's something you can always control and that can't ever get taken away from you is your work ethic. And so whether that's in class or in the weight room or in practice, or if you're an athlete at home and you can't get into a gym because of COVID, like you can run sprints in your front yard or you can pepper with your sibling or you can work to make sure you're watching international volleyball. Like there's so many things that we've learned to be creative through this time. Um, and we talk about like Northwestern is trying to close the gap, right? We're climbing in the big 10 and our, our goal is to keep climbing so we can't stop working. We have to work harder um, even when we have to be a little bit more creative. And, and and I was so proud of our team. They came back from quarantine literally in better shape. Like <laughs> Shane makes fun of me because I walked in to our very, in August. We had like our, a training session that they were working out with our strength coach just to like see where everybody was at, you know, like some fundamental movement, some jumping mechanics. And I walked in and I was like in tears. Shane's like, are you crying? And I was like, one, this is the first time we've all been back together since like March. And two, like, I am so proud of the work this group put in. And that's something that I know deep down cannot get taken away from them, you know? And so um, those are kind of my three things, control the controllables, um, like be there for your people, appreciate them, show up for them, stand with them. There's a lot going on in the world, whether it's social justice, right, or COVID is, and then finally, like, work your butt off and nobody can take that away from you. Uh. That was just so comprehensive and empowering. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same tomorrow. I'm gonna control the controllables and work my butt off, even though I'm not playing volleyball anymore. <laughs> Whatever aspect of life, right? You can just exactly. Yeah, that you'll never. I mean, exactly, exactly like you said. No matter what happens, you'll never regret. Oh man, I was like over prepared for a season that didn't happen. Like no, like that was still putting in work for future things. So I think that's really great advice. Um, mm -hmm. This whole, honestly, this whole episode is great. You know, gives you hope. Like, and it kind of hopefully, I was trying to somewhat uh, personify coaches, right? Too. I think a lot of times players and players and parents have this idea of a coach just sees people as, you know, a, a baseball card in a deck to play at their will for their own benefit, not caring about anything else. But like you guys are people too. You guys jobs are being impacted. Your mm -hmm. schedules are being impacted. So thank you so much, Kristen, for taking this time. It's it's really meant a lot uh, to us at Virago Project, our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really excited for people to hear this one. Yeah, thank, thank you. Kristen. No, thank you, Emily and Taylor. This has been an honor to be on the Virago Podcast. I'm so excited about what you guys are doing and so happy to help in any way that I can. And, and I've learned a lot from you guys as well. So keep doing what you're doing. It's, 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 it's going to invite some change. And I think that's awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Kristen. We will follow Northwestern for sure. We'll share some of their stuff. I know you, I see your stuff all the time and it's really great what Northwestern's doing. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, Kristen. Good luck uh, this season and in the spring. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thanks, Kristen. Bye. I love the message that Kristen had. She brought so many things that I never really thought about when I was an athlete and a great message for all athletes who are currently struggling with COVID. Uh, sometimes coaches don't need to know what to do, but rather just be listen in a kind of a safe place and 
see them as more than your hitting percentage. I, I honestly, I am so glad Kristen came on to share that for both coaches and athletes. Yeah, definitely. And I think it really, really was meaningful when she, she gave different pieces of advice for the athletes who maybe are afraid to approach their coaches about their mental health um, or vice versa, coaches who don't know how to manage athletes who have approached them about the different mental health ch challenges they're going through. And I'm just so proud of her and Northwestern Volleyball for the approach that they're taking, you know, just like making it a normal conversation. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be worried about having playing time taken away for you, from you. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so, so happy we had this conversation. And I think that she shed light on a lot of really important topics. Yeah. Thank you, Kristen. Everyone check out at Virago pod where you'll see some more information about Kristen and some extended interviews that I have planned with her. All right. So to wrap it up, uh, also be on the lookout on Virago Project's Instagram for a holiday gift guide. We're going to be releasing it on our website in the blog, but it highlights wonderful woman athletes and small business owners for uh, a nice little gift you can give. We are getting close to the holiday season. Happy Hanukkah already, uh, but I know no one cares if a gift is late. So <laughs> check it out this week. Uh, we highlight some phenomenal small businesses and athletes uh, that are really doing great things for the community. Yeah. Women athlete owned businesses. I think that's the big thing. Like, you know, women in business are already just underrepresented. And then you go on top of that women athletes in business. And we're just really excited to be promoting their businesses. Um, apart from that, we have a bar class coming up on Saturday with former Ohio State athlete. Uh, she was a synchronized swimmer, won a national championship, some really has some really big rings. Um, <laughs> quoting Drake here. Right? Is that great? <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So Saturday morning with Katie Spada um, from, you know, former former Ohio State athlete, now a dietitian, will be hosting a free bar class for our entire community. So feel free to pop by. Um, we'll be marketing that and providing a link for sign up later this week. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week with episode eight. Bye. Woo!